Welcome to the HR Chat Podcast, bringing the best of the HR and talent communities to you. Today's top leaders accelerate business results by engaging their employees to execute on strategy, vision, and values. In this episode of the HR Chat Show, I'm going to talk with Chester Elton about what it takes to be a great leader, better ways to drive company change, and engaging employees. Chester has spent two decades helping clients engage their employees in organizational strategy, vision, and values. In his inspiring and entertaining talks, Chester provides solutions for leaders looking to build culture, manage change, and drive innovation. His work is supported by research, with more than a million employees around the world revealing the proven secrets behind high-performance cultures and teams. Chester is co-founder of The Culture Works, a global training company and author of multiple award-winning number one New York Times, USA Today, and Wall Street Journal bestsellers, uh, All In, The Carrot Principle, and The Best Team Wins. His books have been translated into 30 languages and have sold more than 1.5 million copies. Wow. In 2019, Global Guru's research organization ranked Chester number 11 among the world's top leadership experts and number eight among the world's top organizational culture experts. The Employee Engagement Awards 2019 named him a top 101 global employee engagement influencer and Engagely named him top HR influencer of 2019. Chester, it's my pleasure to welcome you to the HR Chat Show today. Well, thank you very much, Bill. That was a wonderful introduction and actually, our timing is brilliant. The 2020 Global Gurus rankings just came out, and I'm actually number four in leadership now and number two in organizational culture. So we've moved up, no doubt, in part to the wonderful publicity we get on podcasts like yours. So thank you very much. Wow. What about the ladies and gentlemen? We are chatting today with an absolute global superstar. <laughs> Chester, I'm, I'm looking forward to this. So uh, let's get straight in. Firstly, you're partner and founder of The Culture Works. Tell me about the firm and, and how it develops processes and services and products used with organizations to enhance employee commitment and drive real business results. Yeah, thanks for that question. You know, The Culture Works, I have a wonderful partner, Adrian Gostick. And in our training company, we've got Paul Yoakum and Lance Garvin as well. What we discovered through all our research and whatnot is that there really was a need to really focus on culture, hence the name of the, of the company, The Culture Works. We, we find that when the culture works, everything else works as well, right? We started our work very intensely around reward and recognition, and we, we found some very interesting benefits when employees felt valued and engaged. You know, they, they stayed longer, their productivity was higher, customer satisfaction was higher, and so on. We, click, we quickly discovered in our research that if you didn't get the culture right, the recognition didn't matter. And we also found that there are very few differentiators left in business today. You know, barriers of entry are getting so slow in, in this wonderful and amazing digital world we live in. The two differentiators that remain, however, are leadership. You can never have too many great leaders. And of course, culture, because culture is hard to replicate that emotional connection to work. And so over the last 20 years, we've developed various um, assessments and products and services and online training as well as certification that we've used with numerous country, uh, companies in various countries. And it's really worked well for us. It's, it's very gratifying work when you take a good culture and you make it even better. When you take really good leaders 
and you help them develop into extraordinary leaders. So thanks for the question. The Culture Works. Look us up on thecultureworks.com. We'll be right back after this message from Espresso. The workplace is now more than just work. It's the place where people find community and a sense of belonging to a bigger vision and mission. That's why Espresso built the first culture benefits platform designed to make heroes out of HR teams while connecting people and community. Espresso.com is total well-being, community, recognition, and culture benefits reimagined. Looking for more ways for your people to connect while positively impacting your bottom line? Visit Espresso.com. That's E-S-P-R-E-S-A dot com. Wonderful. Thank you. Now, here's a big question for you, Chester. Well, in your opinion, what are, the, what are some, when it, when, it, when it comes to getting the most from employees, what are some of the biggest challenges facing leaders in today's business climate? Well, thanks for the big question. And you're right. It absolutely <laughs> is. I, I think without question, it's managing change and the pace of business. And in that change in particular is a workforce that is very engaged, very mobile, very intelligent, and the emphasis there on mobile. You know, the churn in business in personnel, the churn in business in in customers and so on is really the, 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 the rapid change, I think, is one of the biggest issues for leaders and for businesses. How do we attract this great talent, keep it for as long as we can, Knowing that, they're probably not going to stay for very long. So how do we maximize our time? Now, the big culture shift there has been, how do we handle that turnover? You know, in years past, it's been, well, if somebody left the organization, it was like they had, you know, left the one and only true faith. And we immediately demonize and villainize these people for leaving, no matter where they went. They wouldn't even have to go to, you know, a competitor. Now it's, we need to onboard, onboard people much faster and we need to say goodbye in a way that's very gracious in a way that will welcome them back after they've gotten more experience and, and keep those relationships strong even when they're outside the company is that what you're seeing does that does that make sense Bill? absolutely makes sense yeah thank you very much so um let, let, let's continue through with some uh, some of the big questions chester um what, what, what are some in your opinion what are some easy ways that leaders can transform the culture of their workplace you know, I don't, I don't think there's ever any really easy ways. There are some quick ways, some faster ways, right? Uh, there's no question that if you've come into a toxic culture, one of the quickest ways to turn that culture around is to change the faces in the room. You know, you see it often where a new leader will come in and he or she has got their own methodology, their way of doing things. And great leaders will very quickly identify uh, who's going to buy in immediately you know, who you've got to convince and who that you who will never really buy in to the culture. Now, in that kind of situation, and we're using a, a fictitious case study here, although not an uncommon one, is the leaders got to identify with those that buy in and appreciate them right away, engage them right away. Then put in place the communication and the structure to win over those that are undecided. The hardest part although the quickest way to change a culture is identify those that will never buy in, that just are going to, they're stuck in their ways, they're going to do it their way no matter what. And you give them an opportunity to buy in and explain to them very quickly, look, this is how we're going to do things. This is how we want to do things. This is the proven 
uh, pathway towards success. And you have a choice to buy in or not. Now, should you choose to buy in, wonderful. Here's what our expectations are. If you're not going to buy in, that's okay. You just can't work here, <laughs> right? That's okay. You just can't work here. And you do it in a very um, respectful way. The, the, the thing that, that leaders make the biggest mistake on is they don't make the move on those. And I, I hesitate to call them toxic, although they end up being toxic in a lot of ways. Those uh, people on the team that just aren't going to buy in and make those changes. So one of the quickest ways, albeit not easy, is really evaluate your team, find out who's going to buy and who's not, and, and make those changes. What do you think? Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, although, I mean, I, I throw something back at you, Chester. Um, okay, um, imagine imagine you've got uh, some employees, and they could otherwise be uh, viewed as as toxic, as 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 unwilling to change. But perhaps actually, there's a new leader that's come in, and um, and they're thinking to themselves, well. Is this a proven leader? Uh, uh, have, have they done this somewhere else before? Why, why should I be listening to what they're saying to me? I'm, I'm, a, I'm a millennial. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Gen Z. I'm, I, I believe in I believe in autonomy. I, I believe in gaining, you know, or earning um, that, that, that that kind of recognition. And then I'll run with it and do my own thing. So I guess I'd, I'd throw a question back to you. How, how how can a new leader coming into a department or into an organization, or maybe right at the top, maybe like a CEO, um, how how can they justify themselves to their to their new employees to to get that kind of faith, or indeed do they, should they have to do that in the first place? Well, I think you always have to do that. You're constantly winning the approval and the buy-in of your team and your organization. And that comes down to really crisp and clear communication, lay out what the expectations are. It takes time. Uh, it may take a lot of one-on-one to, to map out, uh, you know, the way forward. Here's our vision. Here's the roadmap. How, here's how we're going to get there. I need to know whether you commit to do that and move on. And you, you simply ask for those commitments. The, the great leaders are very, very good about painting the vision. And not only here's where we want to get to, here's how we get there. And here are the milestones along the way. And here's where you fit in that organization. And here's what my expectations are from you. Now, what's really important, and uh, some leaders are, are better at this than others, is you've got to understand that your behavior is being watched all the time. And the way you behave gives others permission to act the same way. So if, if you're brusque, if you're, um, you know, if you lead by fear, if you're, um, if you skate a little close to the line when it comes to, you know, ethics and so on, so will your people. So again, you know, the way you win people over, it's your vision, it's the roadmap, the milestones along the way, very clear communication, and you, you model that behavior. And the expectation is, is people will will follow that behavior and will mimic your behavior. I'll tell you another interesting fact, Bill, and we just finished a massive research study around what are the differentiators between the good and the extraordinary leaders. And you might find this interesting, and I'd love to get your opinion on this, is we found it was never their hard skills. You know, you're saying, well, you know, why should I follow you? What's your resume? Have you done this before? You know, those hard skills, the resume, that's the ticket to entry. The difference between good and extraordinary was never the hard, hard skills. It was always the soft skills. 
And interestingly enough, number one in those soft skills is how the leader expressed gratitude, appreciation, and recognition to those that worked uh, with him or her in and around them. Isn't that fascinating? It comes down to great soft skills. And number one in those soft skills, how they express gratitude. How do you react to that? Yeah, I, th- I think I agree with that. I mean, I've 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 had great leaders in, in, in roles, and I've had some not so so awesome <laughs> leaders too. Um, it's always for me, it's always important to hear that there is a roadmap, there is a plan, um, that what we're going to do is going to lead to X, Y, and Z. I mean, I, that's maybe because I approach things often with with kind of a marketing brain, um, but. You've also got to connect with those people, right? You've got to run. You've got to believe that they they're going to give you a chance to to succeed and and uh, and to grow within an organization. So yeah, that that makes makes a lot of sense to me. Um, tell me what what brands do you think have great leaders today, and uh, and what can our listeners learn from them? You know, we're always looking for great examples of you know very healthy cultures that develop great leaders. Uh, high engagement. I'll, I'll give you two examples. Uh, one of my favorites is WD-40. And, you know, I'm sure you've got a, a can, that blue can with the yellow label, WD-40. Uh, Gary Ridge is one of my favorite leaders. He's the CEO there. When he took over WD-40, they were about a $250 million company. Uh, 12 years later, they're a $2.8 billion company. So rapid growth, how did he do it? He focused on his people. Uh, leadership development. He has developed what he calls a tribal culture. We're a tribe. And in a tribe, we defend each other. We look out for each other. One of the things that he does in his culture that I think is brilliant is he assumes positive intent. Uh, One of their sayings is we don't make mistakes at WD-40. We have learning opportunities. In fact, if you you look at the name, WD-40 means water displacement 40th formula. So there were 39 other formulas that they went through before they got to the one they like, right? So he says, were those 39 mistakes? Well, no, they were 39 learning opportunities to get to the right formula. So in this culture, uh, tribal culture, where we look out for each other, um, when you make a mistake, you don't hide it. When you make a mistake, you don't worry that you're gonna be punished. What you do is you take a look and say, well, how can we fix it? What did we learn? How can we move on? And he's developed wonderful leaders. He's developed wonderful teams, uh, very innovative, around a, a very traditional product with incredible results. I'm willing to bet, Bill, that you have a can of WD-40. Am I right? You you are right, sir. I, I certainly do. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, the, the other culture that I really spent a lot of time with that really does a great job in developing their people is actually American Express you know, in a very staid financial, uh, you know, industry, they have seen incredible growth and innovation in their products. They take time to invest in their people. They take time, you know, their, their, their benefits, their uh, maternity and paternity leave policies for being an American company are actually quite extraordinary. Um, my son actually works at American Express. And so I've, I've, I've had the insight not only in, in coaching and training there, also seeing my son uh, interact and, and grow in that culture. They really do look at the employee as a whole person. How are you developing your skills? How is your education coming along? How are you uh, after work? Are we engaging you in noble causes? Are we taking time as a team to give back to the community? Are we, are we engaged 
in doing good in our communities. And they're very, very intentional about it. And it's no surprise they attract great talent. They keep great talent. They have, uh, they take time to really roadmap career development with each one of their people. They have, they have regular town hall meetings with the CEO gets in and talks about here's where we are. Here's what's happened. Here's where we go. Here's the good, the bad, the ugly. You know, feel free to call me, engage with me. Very open and honest. What I love about that culture is how they develop their people intellectually, emotionally, you know, uh, in their leadership styles. And uh, it's, it's really been a joy to watch. So there are two examples in very disparate and different industries that both do an excellent job in developing their people and their cultures. Okay, thank you very much. So uh, in terms of takeaways from, from uh, this, this interview today, uh, in 60 seconds or less, <laughs> I'm going to really test you. I'm going to really test you now, Chester. Um, and, and you've touched upon some of this already today, but uh, what, are, what are some key elements that business managers should use in order to establish that culture of, of recognition and engagement in their business? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's going to sound really silly. I, I coach a lot of executives these days, and I, I'm constantly reminding them of what their parents taught them when they were five and six years old, and that's be kind. You know, be kind. Assume positive intent. Assume that people are coming to work and wanting to do a good job, and along the way, they're going to make mistakes, and you know what? That's okay. And what we're going to do is we're going to fix those mistakes. We're going to learn from them, and we're going to move on. Uh, when we assume negative intent, we're assuming that somebody came to work with the intent of screwing up. It's just not the case. We vilify them. We victimize ourselves. Change that paradigm. Assume positive intent. Be kind. Trust me. Those simple, you know, those simple methods, those simple triggers will help you develop a more engaging, a more trusting, and a more productive culture. I think it was a little longer than 60 seconds, but it, it, hopefully it was close. <laughs> Yeah, but you're you're the expert, right? So I'll, I'll forgive you for that one. Um, <laughs> okay, let, let's talk about um, a, a huge trend happening right now. The the number of remote workers is, is growing up up to fifty percent in some industries in the US and Canada and the UK. How, how do employees want to be treated, regardless of where they are? What are, what are those common threads that uh, that employers and, and leaders should be looking for, and and how do they manage those if in fact their workforce is disparate? If in fact uh, some of the people that they get to build relationships with and measure are in the office with them, but you know a whole bunch of others, up to fifty percent, are, are working are working from home. Right, right, and it is it's a huge trend. Well, and not only that, um, you just have different offices around the world. You know, you've got some people in Toronto, you've got some people in Istanbul, you've got some people in Florida. I mean, you've got people in the UK. I think there are three things that are really key when you're a remote employee that you're looking for. You're looking to be valued. You want to make sure that you, you want to believe that the work you do matters, that you make a difference. Secondly, is you want to be informed, right? You want to be in the loop. Uh, often with remote employees, there'll be things that, that we do maybe in the home office or the bigger offices, and we forget to keep them informed. So I want to be informed and I want to be valued. And then the third one is I want to be valued. <laughs> so double down on value. You know, I want to. When I do something and I make a difference, I want it to be noticed and I want it to be celebrated. So there are lots of, of, of ways, there are lots of methods, there are lots of triggers uh, to keep those people informed. Regular touch points, you know, whether it's a, a regular e email, although 
I'm, I'm much a bigger fan of Zoom calls, you know, even over, over voice calls. Let me see where you're working. Let me let you see me where I'm working. Let's have that conversation. You're much less likely to multitask when you're on camera, right? And so those regular touch points, whether they're weekly, uh, whether they're twice a week, that cadence of engagement. So I want to be valued. I want to know that what I do is important. I want to be informed, you know, whether it's with the group as well as one-on-one. -on -one. And then I want my value to be recognized when I make a difference. Is that helpful? That's very helpful. Thank you. I should just caveat that because we are recording an audio podcast today. I've got the perfect face for radio. That's why we're doing it. Um, <laughs> as, okay, do we, I, as do I. As do I. We are coming towards the end of this interview already, Chester. Before we wrap things up, a couple more questions for you. Um, so let's get into a couple of the, the tangible efforts then. Um, uh, how does how does increasing employee engagement in health and fitness and in mindfulness activities at work positively impact the bottom line? Well, the research is very clear on that. You know, having time uh, to yourself to exercise, having, you know, uh, larger organizations will create those opportunities in the structure of their building. They'll have, you know, walking paths, they'll have workout rooms and so on, meditation rooms. I think it's really key. You know, one of my favorite data points, and this is a massive study that was done at the University of California, is that when you're happy and engaged and motivated at work, you're 150% more likely to be happy and engaged in your personal life. I think as leaders, we have to treat the whole person and understand that as we send people home, there is a ripple effect there in their personal life. If we send them home stressed, it will stress their, their personal lives, their families, their communities. So let's send them home happy. What are some of the ways we can do that? And I, I have a, a simple little method that I want to share with our listeners today. And this is from a wonderful leader that we studied at Avis Budget Rental Car. Um, he, he literally looks to recognize before he criticizes. You know, he said, look, I, I had a leader as I grew up that was very quick to criticize and very slow to recognize. He said, I wanted to reverse that. The method that he used is he put 10 coins in his left pocket. And he set a goal to have 10 positive interactions with his people every day. And the way he keeps track is he moves a coin from his left pocket to his right pocket. Now, how does he do that? He can't always be physically with his people. So he can text them. He can call them. He can Zoom. He can um, old school, write a little handwritten note. In team meetings, he can call people out and recognize them. It's remarkable to me that, that Carlos was able to take uh, a regular, you know, a, a good performing team, not very good, and transform it into a highly engaged, top performing team with that simple method to realize that, look, there are a lot of good things happening every day. Let's celebrate those so that when we have to have the tough conversations, I've got that bank of goodwill. You will listen to me. You will listen to my coaching. I'm not here to point out everything you did wrong and why I'm smarter than you are. I'm here to celebrate the team celebrate the way we are keeping the doors open, making a difference to our customers. And then when we make mistakes, let's all delve in and solve that problem. I love that best practice. What do you think? I agree. Although I'll tell you what, I'm just going to throw this out. I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate. Is, is there still a place in an organization for, for a cold or or old school leader, uh, someone that you can't really figure out? Um, they're never super warm with you. And maybe somewhere in you, you just want to uh, make them happy all the time and, uh, and, and try and ingratiate yourself towards them. Is, is there still a place at all for someone like that? No. 
<laughs> it's a very simple answer. There's, there's, there isn't. It's a, I, I could elaborate. I don't think we need to. You know, what we need in the workplace now is leaders that will engage with their people, understand that there are multi dimensions to everyone. You know, there's there's intellectual, there's there's spiritual, there's 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 physical, and and so on. And then the great leaders will engage there, and we we will we want the whole person coming to work. So often. We take a look at leaders and they, they, they leave their best selves at home or they leave their best selves at work. It's no longer the case. Be your best self wherever you are. And that, those are the leaders that are going to attract and retain uh, great talent. They're going to find noble causes in their work. They're going to communicate that to their customers. Look, as, as, as customers and consumers, we want to spend our time and treasure with organizations that are good and are about doing good with good people doing good things, making a difference in their communities. And you don't get that with those cold curmudgeon leaders that just say, look, it's called work for a reason. You know, we're here to work and by golly, you know, we're going to check the boxes. And then when we hit five o'clock, go home and I could care less what happens to you after that. It just simply doesn't work anymore. Okay. I'll tell you what, uh, the next time we see a downturn in the economy, I'll get you back on this show and we'll revisit that question when, when people are maybe uh, uh, more keen to stay in a particular job and uh, there isn't that war for talent so much, but I absolutely agree with you. Uh, okay. We're going to wrap up for today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Taking it down to cold, home, hard money, ladies and gentlemen, uh, but we're going to wrap there up for go. today. <laughs> uh, just finally for today, Chester, uh, how, how can how can our listeners connect with you and how can they learn more about the Culture Works? Sure. Well, it's very simple. It's thecultureworks.com. I, I want to encourage you to look at the publications that we've put out. You know, we've got a wonderful book on culture called All In. It was a New York Times bestseller. We've got a wonderful book called The Best Team Wins if you're looking for teams you know, uh, ways to engage your teams. And we've just recently published this year, uh, I think one of our best works, it's called Leading with Gratitude, the eight leadership practices for extraordinary business results. Again, the difference between the good leaders and the extraordinary leaders was their soft skills. And clearly the way that you express gratitude and engage your people was, was number one in there. So between the cultureworks.com, between our publications, and I would encourage you to follow myself and my co-author Adrian Gostick on LinkedIn. We're constantly publishing, posting videos. We have a, a wonderful weekend book club where we highlight other great thinkers and make recommendations so you can constantly feed your brain and, uh, and feed your leadership skills. So those are great places to find us. Yeah, no, I, I always just like to highlight when uh, when, I, when I've used a particular platform like LinkedIn to reach out and uh, if someone like Chester uh, is uh, quick and and super responsive and positive. Um, I always like to, to to give you a bit of recognition for that. So only a couple of weeks ago, I, I reached out to Chester. I said, "Hey, uh, I'm Bill. Uh, I've got this little HR magazine. We do this little HR podcast. What do you think? Here are the stats. Would you be interested?" He was all over it. He was very kind to to jump on and, and arrange a arrange an interview with me today. So uh, that just leaves me to say for today, Chester, thank you very much for being a guest on the HR Chat Show. No, thank you very much. It was engaging. It was conversational. You asked great questions. You can call me anytime, Bill. It was a delight. Thank you. And listeners, as always, until next time, happy working. Thank you for listening to the HR Chat Podcast, brought to you by the HR Gazette. 